This is an emergency episode of Draft Class because Leangelo Ball has officially declared for the 2018 draft. I'm kidding. We're actually going to be talking about Final Four prospects. We're going to be talking about Mikhail Bridges. We're going to talk about Joel Embiid's injury. But first, we're going to tell you about some sponsors. Today's Ringer NBA show, Draft Class, is brought to you by Coca-Cola and Powerade. If you're into sports, then it's your favorite time of the year. It's March Madness! With so many games, you never know what's going to happen. That's why you need to be ready for whatever the next round brings. And make sure your fridge isn't empty by the half. Swing by Walmart before every round and stock up on Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade before the next one tips off. NCAA March Madness isn't just one game, it's a whole tournament. Make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart to pick up Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. Today's draft class is also brought to you by TheRinger.com. On the site today, you can find a piece by the Ringer NBA staff on the biggest surprises and disappointments of the NBA season. I also wrote about Kemba Walker and some potential destinations for him if the Charlotte Hornets decide to shop him again this offseason. Also on the Ringer Podcast Network, you can find a new episode of the J.J. Redick Podcast, in which J.J. sits down with two-time NBA champion, one of the greatest shooters in league history, Ray Allen. It's a fun interview. They talk about a bunch of different things, so please go check that out. And of course, it's Friday, which means there's a new episode of NBA Desktop with Jason Concepcion. You can find that on the Ringer's YouTube channel and all of our social media pages. Please go check that out. NBA Desktop is my favorite TV show. And it's not even on TV. It's on the internet. It's the best thing I watch. And now it's time for Draft Class. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Kevin O'Connor, and this is Draft Class. Calling in from Dallas, Texas, as he does every single Friday, it's Ringer staff writer, Jonathan Charks. What's up, guys? I got a little crowing. So on the Ringer NCAA tournament bracket, they have a yahoo.com for just our Ringer staffers. Number one and number two in the pool is your own Jonathan Sharks and Kevin O'Connor. Draft class wow. is doing work, man. John, there's no way I'm going to stay there, though. I, I Look, all I did was just pick the teams with the best draft prospects. That's it. That's the secret. We'll see. That's all I there did. There you go. And it didn't work, though. I'm doing horrible. No, so right now, it, the, the way the bracket works out is if Loyola and Kansas both win, KOC will be the number two person yes. because nobody has those teams <laughs> winning anyway. And you're going to win. Well, how about you, Isaac? How are you doing? Oh, you know what? I actually didn't fill out a bracket this year, but even if I did, I would have taken Tate and Titus's advice and I would have taken Virginia to go all the way. So <laughs> probably I wouldn't be doing so well. Tate See, I think the lesson learned is the more you watch, the worse your bracket does. That's true. Just listen to our podcast and fill it out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do this. We're an NBA draft podcast, but there's one super massive piece of NBA news that we need to react to, and that's Joel Embiid, Sixers center, is going to be out two to four weeks with an orbital fracture in his left eye that's going to require surgery. Markel Fultz on Wednesday night, they were going for a loose ball, and Fultz's right shoulder that kept him out the entire season just happened to go into Embiid's head, and Mm. Embiid's out. This obviously has a significant negative impact on the Sixers. Jonathan, how do you think their team evolves these next two weeks or possibly four weeks into the playoffs without Joel Embiid heading into the playoffs? I mean, I think it could be okay for the rest of the season not having Embiid and letting other guys stretch their roles. But I mean, if Embiid's not there in the playoffs, that's just a real bummer for everybody. That guy's amazing. Yeah, I think with Joel Embiid, 
the last maybe six weeks or so since they were 25 and 25, the Sixers have been unbelievable with Embiid and Simmons on the floor at the same time. They have like a plus 24 net rating. When you take Embiid off and it's just Simmons, it's like plus four. And they've barely played at all without either of those guys on the floor. So the issue is going to be how that team performs without either Simmons or Embiid. I don't think it's a problem in the regular season. Some rest isn't the worst thing in the world for Embiid's legs. Problem would be in the playoffs. You know what it's going to be? It's We're going to have to actually see Markel Fultz play basketball now. Yes. Like he's going to actually do something and not just be like a mascot for the next few weeks. <laughs> he's been fine. He's been okay in the first two games. I think his passing is translated immediately, really. His feel is showing. Uh, obviously, the scoring is still a major question mark with the lack of a jumper, but it's going to be interesting to see the way they perform with Anabi. It could be a good thing for Brett Brown to experiment a little bit here. Perhaps a good thing to see how these guys fit together without Joel on the floor. It's a good thing to see how you can build around a guy like Ben Simmons. So I think the Sixers have kind of shown an interesting way to build teams in today's league. So like relating this to the draft, their team is just filled with size, length, versatility. It's so big, man. That's incredible. Yeah, they're big and long. I think that's really one of probably the key things we're looking for in the draft this year, right, Sharks? Yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing it like the starting lineup now for Philly. They go Embiid, Simmons, Sarich, Covington, and then Reddick. And like Reddick's the smallest player at 6'4. Everyone else is like six foot nine. It's so big and long. It's kind of what like I think we were all hoping Milwaukee would be, but it hasn't really worked out for them yet. But you have this like super size point forwardish guy, and it lets you kind of play with the other positions and put a lot more size out there. And that's kind of the funny thing about this year's drafts, right? Look at the top. You got Biggs, Aiton, Jackson, Bagley, Bamba, Porter, a big six foot ten forward, Doncic, a big six foot eight point guard, muscular as well. Mikhail Bridges, who we've talked about, Miles Bridges, six foot eight, six foot seven, versatile guys that can defend multiple positions. Kevin Knox, up and down the lottery. It's just filled, filled with guys who are versatile. And big, it's like these guys are coming in at the perfect time for what the league needs today. And I think you'll see that too with the point guard position. You have this fascinating like contrast of styles. So you've got Trey Young, super small, elite offense. Colin Sexton, a little bigger, a little more athletic, penetrator. Then you've got Shea Gilgus-Alexander, who's probably like the least skilled of those three, but he's also the biggest. And maybe he kind of fits with the way we're kind of talking about building teams with a 6'6 point guard with a 7-foot wingspan. If the season ended today, the Sixers would have the 10th best lottery odds. So the odds are that they would have the 10th pick. What would you like to see them do with that pick based on the prospects in that range, John? See, to me, you double down and you take Michael Bridges. Like, imagine this lineup with Bridges, Covington, Sarich, Simmons, and Bede. Everyone's at least 6'7". They're all 7-foot wingspans. Like, let's get even more length, even more athletic ability. I think, like, long-term... You put Bridges in the J.J. Reddick spot. I think that's probably the way to go. I don't think you can go wrong with adding more length. Whether it's Mikhail Bridges from Villanova, who we'll talk about a little bit more later, or Miles Bridges from Michigan State, these versatile guys can plug into any type of lineup, regardless of what the rest of the players are. Like with, I think that's one of the difficulties building around Ben Simmons. With Ben Simmons, here's a guy who needs to improve his jump shot, whether it's with his left hand or switching hands. Something needs to be done to improve the jumper. Kevin's going to die in that hill. Kevin's going to keep that to the rest of his Ben Simmons Or career. I will thrive on that hill. That's always possible as well. <laughs> I may be the hill. 
at some point and others will come to join me. Well, Charks, I, I do think that there's also some logic to choosing a point guard, maybe a more traditional point guard, because here's the thing. You can never also have enough ball handlers on your team. If you're the Sixers, you ideally hope Ben Simmons can improve his shot. So I think you need to build with that in mind. I think Markel Fultz, assuming he also <laughs> improves his jump shot, he's somebody who can play on and off the ball. So I don't think there's much harm in taking maybe even a Trey Young type of guy either. Because you look at Trey Young as a player, his weaknesses are defense. His weaknesses are athleticism. But if you put him on the court surrounded by length and athleticism, it could be an environment for him to flourish on offense and also allow him to be hidden on defense. So I think Fultz can play on and off if his jumper gets better, and Simmons, maybe in the future, he can as well. Either way, I think Trey Young would, to me, if he were to slip to 10 or the pick ends up nine or whatever, Young is just really, really tempting because he's just that spark that I think could really help elevate them. It would definitely be an interesting decision. I think like Philly's pick will be one of the most closely scrutinized because they're so close to where they need to be. And this could be like the final piece. And yeah, do you go all in on length or do you leverage that length to play a non-lengthy guy? I think if you're in Philly's position and you look at like the way the playoffs are going to go, and at a certain point, like all five guys, I'm not sure you can hide guys anymore. There was a good uh, Steve Clifford quote about that a few weeks ago talking about Malik Monk. And like if the floor is spread wide enough and you have one bad defender, guess what? That defender is going in the pick and roll. For sure. And he has to do something. So I'm not sure you can hide a guy like that at the highest levels. And if you're Philly, right now it's all about, we're going to get to the conference finals. Who's going to be our five guys? I think that's kind of the frame you have to have in that position. Yeah, I think we saw that last week, I believe it was, with Houston versus Portland. Every single... Houston pick and roll, they really just tried to target Damian Lillard, no matter who he was on. They tried to get Harden on a switch against Lillard, and we saw that last year in the playoffs. The Celtics had to go to this weird little zone type of thing where they just kind of hit Isaiah Thomas in a corner. Yeah, that was bizarre. Teams are going to try to find guys. So I think the flip side of that, which gets lost sometimes, is like, yeah, for the higher level teams who are going to be in the conference finals, it's all about finding these guys who can't be mismatched either way. But I think sometimes for these lower level teams, they get too caught up in that and they ignore like guys who can help them right now. And that's kind of like, I'm writing an article for next week about Jalen Brunson and these kind of smaller NCAA point guards who slip in the draft. Guys like Brunson, Van Vliet, TJ McConnell, Yogi Ferrell. And a guy like Ferrell or McConnell I'm not sure how much value he has in a late-round playoff series, but if you're a bad team, getting a player who can help you right now is valuable. Forget the playoffs, at least to your concerns. That's another interesting piece the Sixers have on their roster. TJ McConnell has really helped keep that team afloat. I mean, he's a kind of been an energizer. He just does things that help your team. Like you said, he's not going to be a guy who plays in the playoffs, but those guys are kind of important over the course of a full regular season. They're important when injuries happen. Right now, the Celtics, they have Shane Larkin filling in with Kyrie Hurt. We're seeing that across the league. Whenever guys go down, it's nice to have a reliable point guard coming off your bench. And you mentioned Jalen Brunson with your piece next week on TheRinger.com. He's probably going to be the national player of the year. He's not Villanova's best player. That's Mikhail Bridges, but he's their second best prospect on that team. And I think he's the type of guy who he's probably going to be better than a TJ McConnell type. I think Jalen Brunson could become a guy who plays in the playoffs. I think he's a really, really good player. Yeah, I would say he's more on the Van Vlietish side of that spectrum. Okay, Van Vliet type. Yeah, I would say he's more on that end. Like Brunson, I saw a quote from uh, Mike Nardi, who's former Villanova point guard, one of their coaches, and I played with Kyle Lowry. And he was basically like, Brunson's the best of all our point guards in college. 
I don't know how good he's going to be in the NBA, but you watch that guy play for like five minutes, maybe fall in love with this game. That guy just knows how to play basketball. He never makes mistakes. Great shooter, great decision maker, just smart and tough. I mean, you just got to love watching that guy play. Brunson, okay, for anybody who hasn't watched college basketball at all this season or at all the last three years, <laughs> but you're going to watch this weekend, Brunson is a junior point guard who has gotten progressively better each year at Villanova. I guess we should also say, too, uh, this is our Rick Brunson's son, so former NBA point yes. guard, been around the game his whole life. And it shows that he had an NBA father. I think I think he is so intelligent on the floor. He's so versatile um, with the way he can score, can shoot off the bounce, can shoot off the catch. He's a smart, high IQ player. He plays hard. He's a little bit undersized at six foot two with only a six foot three wingspan. But there's some creativity in his game that allows him to finish amongst the trees inside. Look, the concern with him is going to be the athleticism aspect. It's going to be his ability to defend at the highest level. So that's why he's not a lottery pick. But I do think he could be a late first round draft pick. I certainly think he's definitely going to be a early second rounder at the worst. Brunson, to me, is one of those guys who, like a Malcolm Brogdon, if he's in the right situation, he comes right in and you're like, how'd this guy fall as far as another one of those type of guys? Because he just knows how to play the damn game. And it'll be a fun matchup this weekend. So you'll have Brunson on one side versus Devontae Graham on the other at Kansas. And they're both kind of in that senior point guardy mold. And that should be a really fun matchup between two guys looking to make some money for the NBA. Do you have any NBA comps for him? Brunson? Yeah. The obvious one is Van Vliet. I mean, I'll probably have to go back and look at some more. In the Ringers 2018 NBA Draft Guide, we have three comps for him. Mark Jackson, Derek Fisher, Luke Ridenauer. Oh. Those are all fair. Mark Jackson is a good one. He's very, He's got some like slow down, big butt Mark yeah, Jackson. Is for sure. sure. Before we move on, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Today's draft class is brought to you by the Google Assistant. With the Google Assistant, you can complete over a million actions on your phone, in your car, and around the house. For example, hey Google, will I need an umbrella tomorrow? Yes, it'll rain in Los Angeles tomorrow from 6 a.m. to 4 a.m. with a break from 7 to 11 p.m. There is currently a flash flood watch in effect. Download the Google Assistant. Today's draft class is also brought to you by Ladder. If you're looking for life insurance, check out Ladder. It's the quick and easy way to get life insurance online. It's the 21st century. You shouldn't have to wait for weeks to get life insurance in place. With Ladder Life, there are no commissioned agents and no policy fees. You can be done in minutes. Visit ladderlife.com slash NBA and answer a few quick questions to get a free quote. If you like what you see, you can apply and get an instant decision on fully underwritten life insurance in less than 10 minutes. Coverage can start today if you qualify. Ladder provides customers with a quick application process that saves you time and frustration because you answer only the questions that are relevant to you. Coverage is available from $100,000 up to $8 million. Ladder's dynamic life insurance lets you get something in place now and apply for more or decrease your coverage with no penalties or fees. With Ladder Life, you get instant decisions and instant peace of mind. Visit ladderlife.com slash NBA to get a free quote and get life insurance checked off your list today. And now, time to go back to draft class. And we're back. We're going to talk about now some of the prospects playing this weekend in the Final Four that have a chance to play themselves into the NBA draft conversation. These might be guys who are currently projected as late second rounders or maybe not even going to be in the draft, but with big weekends, we think could enter the discussion as guys who could potentially test the waters if they have big weekends. Obviously, we have Michigan and Loya Chicago playing and then Kansas and Villanova. Charks, is there a prospect on any of these four teams that stands out to you as a guy who could play himself into the NBA draft conversation? Well, the guy I'm really wondering about is a guy I think I should stay next year. That's Malik Newman. He's been incredible in the draft in this tournament so far. 
Like this is a guy who can dribble into threes, and that's really, really valuable. And as you all saw last weekend, he destroyed Duke's zone. But I think Newman is a guy who would make sense to stay one more year just so he could become a full-time point guard and kind of take Devontae Graham's role. Because right now he just takes shots. And you want to see if this guy can create offense for others if he's going to play at the next level. Yeah, Malik Newman's in an interesting spot. He highly recruited out of high school. I I loved his game heading into his one year at Mississippi State, but he really struggled there and then transferred to Kansas. And he's been awesome, as you said. Yeah, like he was pretty much seen the same guy as Jamal Murray coming out of high school. They were like the same kind of player, basically. And it's also possible that he could just be a late bloomer. I mean, there's no denying his scoring ability. I think for people who are seeing him for the first time this weekend, sometimes the importance of having these spark plugs coming off your bench, guys who can just get you buckets, just get buckets against anybody, against set defenses. Malik Newman could potentially be that type of guy. He's 21 years old. He's probably a little bit further along. I think there's a chance he's an NBA player. I don't know where I'd feel comfortable drafting him because of his other weaknesses, like you said, Sharks, lack of playmaking, defense is just okay. I'd like to see him come back as well, but I do think with a big weekend, he's somebody that people are going to be saying, how is this guy not a late first-round pick? I mean, he gets buckets for sure, and there's definitely value in that. Malik Newman's teammate, Svi Mikhailuk, six foot eight forward, really, really strokes threes. Only 20 years old, and he's played four years at Kansas, which is kind of hard to believe it's possible. Yeah, isn't that hilarious? He's younger than Newman, but he's two years older than him. Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense, but here we are. Shoots 45% from three this year. That dude can just throw daggers from three-point land. Doesn't do a whole lot else, Sharks. But I do think there's value in just having a guy who can just stroke threes from anywhere off the court, off screens, off the move. He has a flamethrower from downtown. And I think there's always value in having a guy like that on your team. Yeah, it's difference between like there's guys who like knock down threes and there's guys who when they get open shots, like that's going to go in. And that's where I feel like Svi is in that category of super elite shooters. The play that impressed me most though from that Duke game, at one point he missed a three. He goes in and grabs the offensive rebound of like three guys. He got like two and a half, three feet in the air. I was like, dang, I know Sfi could get up like that. Like he might have a little more extra to his game. We don't see it because he is so young for a college player, despite being a senior. Yeah, I think the athleticism is a question. So I'm not sure if there'll be a lot of opportunity for him to show that in the NBA. But at the least, you know, to your point, there's skill there. And the shooting is something that can keep him on a roster or at least keep him within the sights of the NBA because of his shooting prowess. Well, I think rocking the t-shirt really hurts his stock. <laughs> like maybe with that t-shirt comes off and he has to wear just the jersey, it might unleash some potential in him. Like you just can't take a guy seriously wearing a long sleeve white t- under his jersey. Who's the best player of all time to wear a t-shirt? That's a good question. I have to do some research on that. Might need to throw it off to our Twitter followers to break that down for us, because I really don't know. Yeah, please use hashtag RingerNBA and send us photos of the greatest players in NBA history or college basketball history to wear t-shirts. Legitimately curious. Okay, and then we've got to talk about Ringer superfan Mo <laughs> Wagner and Kevin O'Connor enthusiast. Mo, if you're listening, we got to talk about you for a second. Let's fast forward like three minutes because we might have to just just fast forward this next segment. Oh, boy. Yeah, Mo Wagner is certainly going to be a guy to watch this weekend. We've talked about him a little bit in past episodes. Wagner can stroke threes. He plays hard. He talks trash. I love his energy. Certainly, to me, a guy that I would target in this early second round, mid-second round, if he were to declare for the draft. The question is going to be the defensive end of the floor. How much can he contribute on that end, despite his energy, despite the fact that he communicates well on that end? That's what needs to come a long way. Uh, But he's certainly, to me, similar to Svi, where the shooting ability 
is appealing from an NBA perspective, all uh, combined with the energy aspect. The tough thing for me, I always go back to that game against Oregon last year, which is unfair when Jordan Bell just like completely undressed him. Because Jordan Bell's great, obviously. And then Wagner was coming in so hot. Then it was like, oh, here's an actual NBA big man who's about to do to you. And he just totally took him out of the game. This will be a fun weekend for Wagner. So Loyola likes to go small. At some point, they'll probably play five guards out there together with like a 6'6 wing on him. And can he punish a small guy who's like a 6'6 wing? Can he punish him on offense and stand in front of him on defense? And that'll be important for him in the next level. And if they get past that, he'll either have to play a massive seven-foot center in Azabuki for Kansas or play a guy like Omari Smellman, another like big man who can go off the dribble and attack him at three-point line. So Mo Wagner's defense will be challenged a lot this weekend. For sure. It'll be interesting. Against Sister Jean this weekend, the only real NBA prospect on that team is Dante Ingram, six foot six guard, <laughs> versatile, does a lot of things out there on the floor. I hope there's situations where we see Wagner on switches against these guys. I was disappointed that in the game against Texas A&M, we didn't see him much against Robert Williams. I was hoping that would be the, the matchup of the game, but it wasn't even a game. Michigan just stomped on Texas A&M from the start. Okay, Kevin, I got to ask before we finish this segment. Sister Jean, where's she going in the draft? How much money should she make next year in the NBA? Well, my top three prospects this year, John. Number one, we have Mo Wagner. Number two, he just declared for the draft this week, actually, is Leangelo Ball. Oh, nice. I think Leangelo Ball certainly has a chance to be better than his brother. I think Leangelo could change the face of the NBA. But then the person who can change the face of the planet drops to number three, and that's Sister Jean. I certainly think she has high upside to change the NBA, as she said today, that college basketball is pure and the NBA is not because money's in there. So I think she can do some good in the NBA world. Wouldn't it be hilarious if she got like a million-dollar contract at like 98? was like, all right, I was wrong the whole time. Let me get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, dude, after this tournament, if Loyola Chicago goes all the way and wins this whole damn thing, <laughs> someone's going to drop the bags for Sister Jean. That's for sure. We need her in the NBA. The Mavs need her. Sister Jean, come pray for Dallas. We got two games this Saturday. Then the championship game on Monday. As I said earlier, Michigan takes on Loyola Chicago. Then Villanova versus Kansas. Charks, what are your predictions for this weekend? So I'm going to go Michigan wins, Villanova wins, and then Nova wins on Monday. Ditto to that. (laughs) Ditto to that. I think Nova wins the whole thing. And I think here's the interesting part, Charks. I think there's going to be a lot of NBA coaching openings this summer. I think there could be potentially up to 10, 8, 9, Oof. 10 openings. And I think a coach people are going to chase is the guy at Villanova, Jay Wright. I think a team yeah, will go sure. hard after him. If there's a guy who can make the transition, it's Jay Wright. The system he utilizes at Villanova, I think, can perfectly rep- be replicated in the NBA. I think he's proven that he can move with different type of personnel. He's a great coach. I think the big thing if you're Jay Wright is you want to find a good job. Be like Brad Stevens. Be very, very picky sure. about the kind of job you get. Because if you go on the wrong team, it doesn't matter what you can do in the NBA. You're going to be fired really fast. So what is an appealing job? Because if you go up and down the teams that have openings, you have a team like the Bucks, you have teams like the Suns. I think there's a chance the Orlando Atlanta jobs potentially open up. Okay, see, Orlando is not an appealing job. Exactly. Orlando is not. So in 2016, before the Suns hired Earl Watson, their favorite at the time was Jay Wright. And just this week, Suns general manager Ryan McDonough said on a radio program in Arizona that they're willing to pay big bucks to get a high-quality, top-quality head coach. And if you put one and two together, in 2016, they wanted Jay Wright. Now they're willing to pay big to get a guy. Doesn't it make conceivable sense that they might target a guy like Jay Wright? 
Or should at least try to. If I was Jay Wright, I'd wait for the lottery. Like, if they can get Doncic and Booker together, that would be an interesting coaching job. But I mean, obviously, the Bucks the job you want. Oh, for you sure. Because Giannis, yeah. that's the job you want. I think you wait until after the lottery as well. I think when the Celtics hired Brad Stevens, it wasn't until July 3rd. 2013. That was when it was officially announced that he was going there. So I think Jay Wright is somebody who can take his time and see what jobs open up. And that assumes that he would even leave Villanova. We're just speculating here, but he is somebody in the past that has said he'd entertain it, at least. If he wins two and three years, he's pretty much left college at the top of his game. For sure. I, mean, I think, though, at the end, like, you remember, like, Steve Kerr a few years ago? He's picking between the Knicks and the Warriors. The most important coaching job you can do is pick the right team, man. Yes. There's going to be some openings this year with appealing players on it. I think if the Bucks look elsewhere, who wouldn't want to coach Giannis? You're looking at Phoenix. If you're a coach, you're looking at that team. You're seeing Devin Booker as a superstar. You're seeing tons of assets and flexibility and upside with their cap space and their ability to make other types of moves. There are appealing gigs that are going to open up. I would say, too, it's important you want to look at who your GM is. Like Vogel yeah. in Orlando, if you get hired by a lame duck GM and that GM gets fired, then your job is super hot. Sometimes you don't know he's a lame duck GM until he's actually a lame duck GM, though. You know you know what I mean? Well, Orlando, though, you knew. Do you in Orlando? They just replaced the entire front office, and they have a lot of really, really smart people in that front office. I mean, like, two years ago when he was being oh, hired. Oh, yeah, yeah, He was, like, yeah. playoff okay. or bust. Vogel knew. He just got impatient and wanted a job. But even then, <laughs> like, Rob Hennigan made some picks that, look, I really liked at the time. Some guys just don't work out. It's not that Rob Hennigan's a lame duck GM or a decision maker or talent evaluator. Uh, yeah, I'm not even saying he's a, a bad GM. I'm saying it's like you got to look to see what his job status is because like okay, when the yeah. GM gets fired, the coach is going to get fired right after that just about. Totally understand what you mean then. Okay, because like I think Rob Hennigan just happened to miss. I don't think he's a poor talent evaluator because he missed. I think some guys just unfortunately didn't pan out for that organization. But yes. I mean, look at Oladipa, right? What's a good pick now? For sure. Sometimes it's not even the picks. It's when decisions are made. But I do think Jay Wright is a guy. You'll see him this weekend in his perfectly fitted suit, coaching Villanova probably to a national title. I mean, he'll be the best dressed coach in the NBA probably. Oh, I think. That man can dress. So top dressed NBA coaches, Eric Spolster's up there. I think Jay Wright would probably take the cake immediately from day one, I want to say. Yeah. That's a good reason to hire him. We're going to take another quick break and talk to you about Coca-Cola and Powerade plus Sonos. Today's draft class is brought to you by Coca-Cola and Powerade. If you're into sports and it's your favorite time of the year, it's NCAA March Madness. With so many games, you never know what's going to happen. That's why you need to be ready for whatever the next round brings. And you got to make sure your fridge isn't empty by the half. Swing by Walmart before every round and stock up on Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade before the next one tips off. Coca-Cola is the official fan refreshment of the NCAA. Be ready to watch all the games by picking up Coca-Cola and Powerade all tourney long. Since moving to LA, I've been watching the tournament every single weekend with my co-workers at the Ringer's offices in Hollywood. It's been great. Been watching with Titus and Tate, with Zach Schwartz, Pat Maldani. Been watching with a whole bunch of different people. It's been amazing watching with other people, but what we get to do this week is we get to stock up. We get to get ready. We get to have some drinks ready to go. So we're going to get some Coca-Cola, some Coke Zero Sugar, and we're going to get some Powerade as well. So what happens when your team's out early? You still get to watch. NCAA March Madness isn't just one game. It's a whole tournament. Make sure you're ready. Refresh every round by heading to Walmart to pick up 
Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, and Powerade. Today's draft class is also brought to you by Sonos. Sonos, Playbase, the Sonos One speakers, they have changed my life, to be honest. I've never felt better watching TV in my own apartment. I'm loving it. Just last night, The weekend dropped a brand new EP called My Dear Melancholy, and I went on my phone onto the Sonos app, and I searched to make sure iTunes had it uploaded, and I picked it and had it play for my Sonos speakers. I just laid back while prepping for today's show and just enjoyed it, and it was beautiful. It sounded so good and so full in my living room. Hearing it on my Sonos speakers has really changed my movie watching, music listening experience. It has been beautiful. And now, guess what? You can enjoy it too. Sonos is offering the listeners of the Ringer NBA podcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. Use the promo code RINGERNBA10. That's capital RINGERNBA10 at Sonos.com to receive this offer. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. And now back to the show. And we're back. We're going to talk about some quick news bits. Some guys declared for the draft this week. Some guys decided to go back. One of the guys who decided to declare after his sophomore season that you really loved last year was Maryland forward slash center Justin Jackson. Yeah, so Jackson is your like classic combo for three, four forward, but he's big bodied, six nine, two twenty, two thirty, really long. He might be able to play some small ball five in the NBA, and that's kind of like your athletic playmaking combo guy. Unfortunately for him, he hurt his shoulder before the season started, played like ten games and was terrible, and then had to give season ending surgery. And so he pretty much lost millions of dollars probably going back to school. It really was unfortunate. And that's kind of the risk. I mean, I like Jackson, too. I I didn't love him quite like you did last year. But I certainly think he's still maybe somebody, if you're in the second round, you'd want to pluck him and see what you can turn him into. And that's the fear with a guy like Daniel Gafford, a really, really athletic center who decided to go back to school for his sophomore season. He was projected perhaps as a mid-first rounder this year. He might have dipped into the lottery. I think there's certainly a chance he could have if a team wanted to build around a rim-running center. But Gafford decided to go back. I think it's kind of a curious decision. I think he should have declared I think it could end up being a mistake in the same way it may have been for Jackson. Charks, are you with me? Or like, what are your thoughts on Gafford? Well, see, I think it makes sense to go for him. I think that if you're going to go back to school, it should be because like you could get a bigger role in the offense and develop your game more in college. But like Gafford's a rim running center. He is who he is. And like, there's a chance he gets hurt, but he'll have the same role he had this year, probably. So like, what's he benefiting from going back? It's like with Robert Williams at AM last year. It's the same thing. So to me, like, if you're a big man who needs a good point guard around him, you might as well go to the NBA where there's good point guards everywhere, where it's going back to school and depending on your teammates. So like, the one guy who might make sense to come back to school is someone like Lonnie Walker, because he could have a bigger role in the offense if he comes back as a sophomore year. But the risk even then is getting injured, like his teammate Bruce Brown at Miami. You get hurt and your stock is done, basically. Yeah, if I were an agent and you know pursuing one of these guys, I would be real with them and I would be like, look, anytime you're already probably going to be a mid-first-round draft pick or even a mid-to-late first-round draft pick, now's the time to go. Because I think there's a higher percent chance that these guys, when they're freshmen and sophomore, there's a higher percent chance that their value just kind of sours and they end up in the early second round or the mid-second round or maybe even undrafted in some cases more so than there is that they rise up into the lottery. I can't really recall many guys at all that have done that. So I, I always think of a guy like Grayson Allen after his terrific sophomore season at Duke, scored 21 points per game. He was really awesome that year. 
I had him ranked as like I think 16th or 17th mid first round draft pick, mm. and he hasn't been quite the same guy, at least from a statistical production standpoint, the past two seasons. I still like him as a prospect a lot more than other people do, but he's not going to be a first round pick this year when he probably would have been two years ago had he done it. I just think there's so much risk in going back, never mind with injury, but just the fact the bias against age. Not many seniors go high in the draft. It's a significant risk. And two with Grayson Allen, like as a sophomore, he was like the guy at Duke. Like he wasn't going to get a bigger role going back to school. So he kind of showed what he could do with the big role. Like I think like the guy who makes sense to go back is a guy like Michael Bridges because he got a bigger role every year on the offense that kind of grew out. But once you have that big role, like all you can do really in college is get worse at that point because you've already been the guy. You've already gotten all your shots. Teams built around you. You're just going to get kind of stagnant going back to school at that point. Yeah, I think when you see guys declare when they're young and you're like, how the hell is this guy declaring for the draft? Probably because they might have other outlets other than in the NBA. Because when you declare, it could mean that you're going to play professionally overseas. But to your point, Sharks, another guy like Kata Bates-Diop, it would have been foolish for him to declare after his freshman season. Guys should go back to school when they're not even on the radar. That's when you got to go back. But when you're a projected mid-first-round draft pick, like Kata Bates-Diop is after his junior season, it's time to go, man. Go to the NBA. Strike while the iron's hot, just like you said earlier, Charles. Well, the thing, too, it's like with going to declaring for the draft, a lot of it is like your college team. So a tough decision will be like uh, Gary Trent and Duvall at Duke. They're probably not going to be first-round picks. But if they go back to school, they're going to be buried on the bench behind Barrett yeah. and Reddish and Trey Jones. That is a tough spot to be in. Is extremely difficult. Well, that's all we have time for today. It's time for our producer, Isaac Lee, to give us grades. Okay. I'm going to start with you, Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Kukut. Oh, oh, he got a haircut? Uh-oh. Yes, he did. He came in with a fresh new haircut. It is much shorter than it was before. I think it looks great. Obviously, this is an audio-only medium, so all you listeners out there and Charks, who's in Dallas right now, you're just going to have to take my word for it, but I think it looks great. I say great on looks only, Isaac. Just great on our looks. That's all that really matters. <laughs> I am indeed that superficial oh, of a person. Also, your ironic top three draft where you took Mo Wagner number one, Leangel Ball number two, and Sister Jean number three was very funny. It was very tough for me to be quiet as to not bleed into your mic audio. So you get an A for today. Thank you. On the other hand, Jonathan Charks, uh, you said Michael Bridges again. It's Mikael Bridges. I knew I forgot something. You said Mo Wagner again. It's Mo Wagner. (laughs) Charks, it's like if I called you Jonathan Jarks. You know what I mean? People do it all the time, Isaac. I let it roll it off me. Jarks would be pretty good. That's pretty close. Jarks. I mean, there's a T there. There's a T before the J. And to my knowledge, you didn't get a haircut this week. Therefore, you get an F. Wow. See, that's the problem, man. Like, if you got no hair, you can't do much to your look. It just is what it is. So, Kevin, enjoy your hair while you have it. (laughs) Yeah, I I will, man. (laughs) That was fun, Jonathan. As always, it was a pleasure chatting. Yeah, that was a good one. Have a good one, guys. Draft Class is produced by Isaac Lee, and our intro and outro music is provided by the band Oso Oso. Thank you both for the sounds. Special thanks to Elon Musk for hopefully listening to the Ringer NBA show. I believe he's our biggest fan, and I want to thank him for bringing the internet to space as well. For extra credit, please check out the Ringer's 2018 NBA Draft Guide at nbadraft.theringer.com. And next week, next Friday, it's Mailbag Week! So please, please, please submit questions on Twitter using hashtag RingerNBA. We need questions. We need to talk about some more stuff. So we'll talk to you next Friday. Peace out. Peace out.